Welcome to Think About This. I'm Alexis Dean, and I am so glad you're here. For years, I've been building a community of high-performing, high-impact, wildly generous, and supportive entrepreneurs. I've made a lot of introductions between incredible people, and I always wish that I could learn from the conversations that take place after those introductions. On this show, you and I will get to be part of the conversation as I bring together two successful entrepreneurs for peer-to-peer support and discussions that normally happen behind closed doors. Listen in as we solve fascinating business challenges with lessons and ideas that apply across industries. Get ready to learn, expand, and grow. This is the Think About This podcast, brought to you by the DevTail community. This week's challenge we're tackling, how to build and grow a for-profit community business, especially one that makes a serious impact on a social issue. In the Dovetail community, there are a number of women who've built or supported community impact organizations and charities, in addition to growing their primary businesses. There are also a number of women who aspire to build communities and impact social change once they sell their business or they put themselves in position to step away from their day-to-day operations. Today's guests, Judith Cassiama and Demisha Dennis, started their community businesses on the side when they both had day jobs. They know what it's like to dedicate every free moment to building a community driven by passion and commitment. They live on opposite sides of Canada, but lucky for Judy and Demisha, they found one another and they've been supporting each other at every step of their community building journeys. Judy Cassiama is the founder of Color the Trails, a community business for BIPOC folks and allies interested in outdoor activities including hiking, skiing, snowboarding, kayaking, biking, and more. Judy and her community advocate for inclusive representation in outdoor spaces, working with brand partners, businesses, and organizations to break barriers and create accessibility. They subsidize outdoor adventures, create diverse content, and they're actively working with allies to create the change they want to see in the world. As a socially conscious business rooted in collective community well-being, they operate a business model that focuses on social change and sharing their successes with their local and global communities. Demisha Dennis is the founder and CEO of Brown Girl Outdoor World, or BGOW for short. As an outdoor enthusiast with a passion for building community and representation in outdoor spaces, she shares her love for the outdoors through various adventures, while encouraging and inspiring others to step out and do the same. She's actively working to change present narratives regarding people of color and their place and engagement in the outdoor space. When not navigating Toronto's corporate jungle, she can be found fishing, bungee jumping, camping, or hiking from coast to coast, and she doesn't see herself stopping anytime soon. With the community behind her working to make tangible changes, Demisha is guiding others into nature and challenging them to change the narrative through outdoor adventure. By the end of today's conversation, you'll have some great advice for growing a community business whether it's an addition to your current business or something that you grow later in your life. You'll also hear about some of the highs and lows and the joys and struggles of building a business based on community, serving a social impact mission, and not being a charity. I love today's conversation, and I know you will too. Let's get started. All right. I am so excited. It took me a little while, but I am thrilled to be here with Demisha and Judy. Demisha is the founder of Brown Girl Outdoor World, and Judy is the founder of Color the Trails. Welcome, welcome, ladies. I'm so stoked to have you here. 
Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> Judy is currently driving down from uh, Outdoor Adventure in the Squamish area. And uh, so if she comes in and out or anything, it's it's because she's still in transit because her life sounds like it's just one big adventure out there in the West Coast. I'm so wildly jealous. So just before we started recording, uh, we were diving already into some of the highs and lows of building their communities. And so I'm going to let you just kick it off to Misha with what's your big question today? Oh my gosh, I could ask you so many questions, Judy, because I know we've both like through building BJW and CTT, we've navigated so many of the same um, issues, so many of the same joys, so many of the same highs and lows for you. Um, and we talk so often, so this might just be like a reiteration of a lot of the things that we talk about. But what's been your biggest challenge so far in creating a community around CTT? Oh, there's been so many, I would say, hurdles in terms of creating Color the Trails or just even creating community within Color the Trails. And I think one of it is one of the biggest thing is doing something that is unique and different that the world doesn't understand or people around me just don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, for the longest time, um, just before Color the Trails got officially registered, one of the biggest hurdles was this notion of assumption that somehow because I'm doing community work, I therefore have to do charity work and therefore mm -hmm. Color the Trails had to be a charity, has to be a nonprofit. But people don't understand the amount of labor that goes behind, even the amount of cost that went in behind Color the Trails before people even knew what Color the Trails was, mm -hmm. right? Um, so just, you know, prior to 20, like 2019, I quit my job to try to figure out like how to, um, begin to build connection, networking, um, have to turn Color the Trails into a lucrative business, but everybody's just so into seeing it as nothing more than a charity. And I like, how can we you. offer the charity to you? And for me, I'm like, no, like I am a business. I'm just like a subsidized business. I'm not planning on becoming a billionaire, but I just really want to um, create an opportunity for the Black, Indigenous, and racialized communities to have access to nature. Because if you think about it, there's been so many nonprofits, so many nonprofits who've been operating for so many years, and still they don't have BIPOC within their organizations. They don't really do outreach to the BIPOC community. So for me, it's like, well, what have y'all been doing? So it's like, what's the point of starting a non another nonprofit mm -hmm when there's so many nonprofits out there that's getting thousands and thousands of dollars to run diversity campaign, diversity opportunity, but yet they've never been diverse. And yet- I might so, want to add hundreds of thousands to that because it's a little hundreds, bit more than just thousands. Yeah. We'll add hundreds, hundreds of, thousands. of thousands. Yeah. So for me, I think that's been really the hurdle to realize how much as a black woman, as a black woman who's trying to start something that is so different than what is supposed to be traditional within the capitalist system and how people like really want to reduce my work to nothing more than a charity. And I think charity is great. I love charity, but I think there's like a level of disrespect when I come into your, a meeting and I tell you I'm a business and then I tell, and then you ask me, well, why your business? Like, do you say that to Chad when Chad approaches you with an idea? Or is it because I'm a Black woman, you just automatically devalue my work? So I think that's been like one of the most challenging. And then another challenging has been how to create um, authentic community and a space that is welcoming to all. 
Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of work that goes into creating Color the Trails and then also experiencing a lot of the disrespect even within their own community of people not showing up when they signed up for something mm -hmm. um, or for people being, you know, questioning why I'm charging something um, for this event when I'm like, yo, I just worked so hard to negotiate a price you know, something that's like 350 bucks is now like 130. Like you don't yeah. realize like this is, you know, the experience here and there. So I think for me, that's been really challenging. But at the end of the day, I'm very thankful for the community that continue to show up and com community that sees my vision and want to support that vision. That's awesome. And I think it goes just even beyond a matter of us being looked at as charities. I look at it in the, com in the context of like, the greater scheme of building something, you know, like you said, there about there have been all these charitable organizations that have been established for years, but are they problem solvers? Are or, or are they sitting in a place where they're not comfortable with the work that they've started and not solving anything? So the funds are coming in, but is there an issue that's being solved, right? So you have these charitable organizations that are operating, and again, there's nothing wrong with charitable organizations, but I think from the point that you and I have built, it's more of solving an issue solving something that we've seen as a need versus having years of continuous build and not acting on that build. And I think that's where, um, you know, patting ourselves on the shoulder here works because we've managed to step into a space where no one wanted to have that conversation. No one wanted to, you know, step on a toe. No one wanted to reach out and say, hey, how can we get Black, Indigenous, and anti-racist people into this, um, people of color into this conversation? And here we are, you know, two, I'm going to call myself young. I'm, I haven't hit 40 yet. I'm still going to call myself young, but <laughs> how, how we've now stepped into this space and we're, we're trying to make that difference versus just operating on a, now we're here, let's just continue in that same mold. We're actually creating a mold that is different. And I know one of the things that we've chatted about previously and in terms of creating this mold is actually being able to make sure for one, we're running sustainable businesses and for two, to ensure that when we're doing this, we're actually insured and operating properly as, as um, corporations. Because one of the things that it's so difficult to do as a business is when, especially in the outdoor industry, you step into the space and all of a sudden everyone wants you to have this like maximum insurance that you could have, but they want all the history that you had before you could even get here without establishing that. And you've never had the, you've never done the business to get the history. So navigating that insurance conversation is one of the big things that we've both dealt with. How has that been as a challenge for you? Um, it's definitely a challenge. I finally kind of figured out my own insurance um, and it's pricey. It's really goes to show how underfunded, I would say black businesses are. Um, and then how there's not a lot of, opportunity to learn and engage or things to navigate to understand it properly or mm -hmm. to make it easier I would say um, when it comes to the insurance or even like incorporating right like the process in that um, so for me it's just been interesting a way to navigate I'm very thankful because like through a friend through another business partner they connected me with their insurance broker who like helped me kind of figure it out mm -hmm. but I was emailing everybody trying to get stuff but nothing was coming through 
And um, yeah, so it's just been an interesting thing to navigate and also realize, which I think you and I who are running these businesses are actually very smart and very cautious of these things. Because I think a lot of people run it without really thinking about the insurance aspect. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking about getting a business lawyer and all these different things. So it's been quite interesting, I would say, on my end. And I think even in a lot of the language as well, it, uh, surrounding this, right, surrounding building this out, surrounding, you know, surrounding the conversations on insurance, surrounding the conversation as establishing ourselves as businesses, a lot of the conversation is if you didn't know this coming in, there is so much work going behind finding out the business language, finding out the, you know, language that's appropriate to use in terms of the communities that we're referencing. Like all these things come into play, but again, we don't have a blueprint. We are sort of creating that blueprint now for these kind of operations within Canada. So how did you, you know, like, how did you establish the community that you wanted to serve? How did you, how did you come upon that, that piece and just, you know, specifically looking at the Black, Indigenous and anti-racist POC community, how did you come around to that conversation and establish that that is where CTT wanted to be? One thing about Color the Trails, or for me personally, I wanted to create a space that was very welcoming and inviting to all. Um, as somebody who's been, I think in some cases, being bullied out of certain spaces or be may feel not welcome into certain spaces. So for me, the community aspect was like really pivotal in terms of how Color the Trails would be shaped. So that means for most, for almost all of the events, I try to show up, I try to connect with everybody, but also at the same time, I'm trying to elevate and find people within the community who has the talent, who has the expertise to be able to be like, hey, I can do this, but why don't you do it? You know, try to elevate other people within the community. And a lot of people think that, you know, when you're starting these kind of organization, I'm not, and one thing I have to establish is I never started color the trails with the idea or with the notion of getting free stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did also, not. Can I, can I pause you there for one second? Yeah. Cause I wanted to say to you, like you said the word try, you're not trying, you haven't tried, you've been doing. There's an absolute difference between trying and fully doing what you're doing. And I think if you were trying, you wouldn't have been where you were at CTT, you've been doing. So I'm taking that word try away from you cause you've been doing. <laughs> Thank you. Everything I'm always like, I'm always trying when and actually I am doing. No, that's absolutely true. You are both <laughs> doing. I hate to interrupt, but I just wanted to ask because Demisha, you're so much in the same role and I, I rarely interrupt in these things, but I have the same question for you that you just asked Judy. Like, what was it for you? How did you establish that this is the community you wanted to serve? And also, it sounds like, Judy, you know, you elevate people within the community. Is this something that you're working on or did you do already, Demisha, to kind of elevate those other leaders to take on different roles in the community? Because I know you have so many parallels in both of your communities. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it was a matter of establishing spaces that felt safe, that felt open, and that felt um, felt inviting. I think a lot of it for me was wanting to see the reflection of the joy that I have when I go outside and see that on different faces from different races and different places. And I worked with, with creating BGOW to ensure that when we do this, we're not just looking at, you know, the monolith that we're, 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 we're told that POC communities are. We wanted to establish and navigate the conversations around, you know, how do you in, explore and, and navigate joy in your home country before you migrated to Canada? How did you explore a relationship with the outdoors? And how can we bring that into one conversation here in Canada? And when I moved here and we started, you know, I started, when I started living here in Canada and noticed that there's a difference in that conversation here between how it was growing up in Jamaica 
and understanding that we were Canada is such a quote unquote melting pot that there's no way we could have all had the same experiences. And all those experiences have come in to shape how BGOW moves in the outdoor space. Because when we go out, we're not just looking at the experience of this is what Demisha wants to do. This is, let me put an invitation out there. And this is something that Judy often says that, you know, it starts with a, it starts with an invitation. It's let me put that invitation out there, see who responds to it and see how they bring that, um, that response to any events that we hold or bring that response to, again, even something as a weekend camping trip, having someone come out with you and trust you enough to spend a whole weekend with you, pretty much narrating their experience for that weekend. It's asking a lot of, do you trust me enough based on the experiences that we're going to have together? Because you don't know these experiences yet. You're building your trust in me on future actions. So do you trust me enough to navigate that space with you? And I think just continuously having that conversation with like, you know, the people who come out, like you don't end, the relationship doesn't end after the event ends because you want to continuously build that, build that relationship, getting people to come back, getting people to continuously spread the word about the work you're doing so it's like establishing the relationship of trust in the beginning and, and trying to ensure that that trust carries out through building that whole relationship. Couldn't agree more, Demisha. That's exactly how I think. I think that's what we kind of tend to operate really well, just because we're both on the same level and we both are putting aside our own personal egos or like personal pride. And like looking overall at what is, what are we trying to do for the community and what are we trying to establish and change here in Canada? Because I think when we, our work in the line of work that we're in, um, oftentimes we want to refer so much what's happening in the U.S. Mm -hmm. that we kind of forget that there's history, a very unique history here in Canada. And we need to like speak the language of people in Canada and yeah. how we bring that to the outdoors and how we bring that to the outdoor spaces is really, yeah, it has to be reflective of the community that we're representing. That we can take stuff from the U.S. and try to implement it here because it just, I personally think it doesn't work and it's not as a, it's not authentic. It's not Canadian yeah. in my sense. That's funny too, because it's not even funny. It's just like, I know we've, we've, we've often, you know, we've been, we've been programmed to look so much at the U.S., and not realizing that that is one of the big challenges that we've navigated as well in establishing our own communities, because people have looked at, you know, how U.S. US institutions have operated or U.S. programs have operated and want to see the exact same thing here in Canada when, again, it's a Canadian language for Canadian people. And the Canadian people look like a whole bunch of different things. And it was not just one, it's not just one state, it's not just one province, it's not just a city. We're looking at how do we solve you know, the national, I guess, national problem of exclusion in the outdoors. And that has been a very, very, um, a very big Canadian challenge versus it being a, you know, in my state or in my city. This is us finding conversation and finding places to put ourselves into that to solve those issues on a national scale and not just for CTT in Vancouver or BGOW in Toronto. So for both of you, if you were to start this all over again, are there any lessons that you would want to give yourselves or from both of you that you would want to pass on to those who might be listening who are thinking about maybe I want to do this in Manitoba or maybe I want to get involved or maybe I want to start this up in my own country or wherever I am in the world. What would you do if you started all over again, both of you? The most important thing is no one will see your vision the way you do. Absolutely no one. 
So you can't use the questions that you ask people to navigate how you're going to work in it. You can't ask people questions on what you should be doing, because again, it's your vision to execute based on what you see as an idea of community. And no one is going to, especially when it comes to the representation of a racialized um, perspective, it's going to be its own set of challenges. And not everyone, even within the Black, Indigenous, and anti-racist POC community, is going to understand the need for this kind of work. So again, it's going off of your instincts. And I always say, it's like Ms. Frizzle says, take chances, make mistakes, get messy. That's all there is to it. If it gets messy, you clean it up after, but you've learned now in which corners you must sweep with that broom, how you must mop afterwards. It's, it's a cleanup process, but be able and be willing to do that. Yeah, I would also add, find people that you trust before sharing your vision. Fully. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because, yeah, there's just like a lot of people out there who don't want to do the work, who just want to take your work and replicate it and call it their own, take your language, take everything. So I think for me personally, I would say find people that you can trust in your community who will elevate you, build you up, not tear you down. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that's why working with Amisha has just been such an amazing thing, be experience, because we both have such um, respect for each other's work that we don't see each other as threat. We don't see each other as this is somebody who may take an opportunity away from me, but rather we see each other as, oh, look, we can definitely work together. And if I have an opportunity, I want to make sure to experience that opportunity and vice versa. So for me, yeah, it's just like I would say, hold on to your vision and just be careful who you're sharing your vision with. <laughs> it's good. And I think about it and, and like in the greater sense of what community is, right? It's we're building these communities and it's never just we, we think of community on, like people tend to think community as in the small and immediate. When I think about community, I think about, yes, we're building with individuals in these specific places right now. But if someone was supposed to go out to Vancouver and they wanted to do something fun and exciting, hey, CTT is out there, get your butt out there and go work with CTT, have that fun. You know, community is, again, because we're in Canada, Community is Canada. Community is each piece of the land that we're on here, you know, the stolen lands that we're on and where we live on, it's the community is a global people. It's the people who are all around Canada who we want to see represented and who we want to see in, in spaces that we've been historically um, excluded. And the work that comes behind removing those exclusive barriers is collaboratively working with people, is finding and building trust in those spaces where we can work together to actually create real change. Amazing. Between the two of you, I mean, I know that because you're friends and you have these conversations and, you know, part of Think About This is that we pull back the curtain and people kind of get to have a taste of it. What would you say is the thing that you most frequently vent to each other about or that you're most frequently like, uh, I'm in a text and you know, hopefully this is something you're open to sharing, but I know that there will be someone listening who is a community leader who's thinking about doing this, who just needs to know that they're not totally alone and feeling this way. Is there something that you just like number one thing that, that really you want to change or that makes your lives challenging or that you're like so pumped at when you overcome this thing or when you figure out a way around it, that that's a thing you reach out to each other for, you know, high fives across the country or whatever it might be. I think for the both of us, um, it's been really going back and forth in terms of making sure we're getting paid for our time and getting paid for our work. And I think nobody wants to talk about the conversation piece or how much money 
one is getting paid for. But mm -hmm. I think it's like really, really important to um, for us to have honest conversation. Like if somebody approaches me and offers me kind of weird money or whatever, and then goes to Demisha and try to mm -hmm. play the both of us, um, we both always, always um, talk to each other if we're being approached by the same brand or the same organization to be like this. We both agree on our rate and be like, this is our race so that we're not being taken advantage of mm -hmm. um, and that we are supporting each other. So I think um, if you're going to get into this line of work, you have to get comfortable with talking about money and talking about money with people within the same space as you. Because I think that's the most important thing, making sure that you're not tokenized, making sure you're not taking advantage of. And that's something that I tend to kind of, yeah, I think that's something we both vent about a lot and kind of talk about a lot because it's just such a people disrespecting our time and energy that we put into things. And this kind of goes back to, again, to where Judy initially mentioned that the we don't operate as not-for-profits it's based on the assumption that the work that we do has to have a lesser value because it is community-based and it is definitely not because I guarantee you it takes twice as much time to get someone to agree to giving us a discounted rate to get members of our community into the outdoors. It takes twice as much time to even send that email because you're so busy navigating the narrative and the language that you're putting into that email to not make it seem like you're coming out looking for freebies. So a lot of that is, you know, yes, we want to bring people out into these spaces. We want to get people together as a community, but we also have to, we deal with the mental health work of, of, of on ourselves when we're done, um, you know, battling the, the, oh my gosh, should I send this email? Should I not send this email? Am I using the right words? Am I talking to the right people? Should I not be talking to this person? So it's a lot of, there's a lot of that involved in it as well. And I don't think people give credit to the work that goes behind it. So quite often Judy and I talk about, you know, all the things that we do that are not, they don't show up at the events that we host. They don't show up at the conversations that we have online with other people. It doesn't show up in the um, in the Zoom meetings that we're in pretty much, you know, sometimes even begging people to see value in us bringing our community into these spaces. So that again is one of the big things that we often navigate together is, you know, when we're going there, who are we speaking to? Or who's your contact, Judy? Did you have this conversation with this person already? Am I am I blowing you know steam into a bag right now that nothing's going to happen with it? Like, how do we are we are we effectively using you know the networking that we've we've the network that we've established to ensure that we're not wasting our time, we're not wasting someone else's time, and at the end of the day, come up with nothing that's that's beneficial to our communities. Yeah, it's so important for you two to have each other. <laughs> like... it, 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 it's been like legitimately a, um, the biggest buffer is having someone who's navigating that same space as you and someone who has an understanding for, again, the language, have an understanding for, for your mission, have an understanding for, you know, where you see yourself in a, in a, in a bit versus someone who has you know, you're just navigating this on your own with no conversation, not knowing what rates to charge, not knowing you value, you value your work, but someone else might have had that experience with a different, with the same brand that you're working with. And they were like, no, I charge them this amount of money. They paid me for this, but because you came in cheaper, they're going to give it to you. They're going to take you at that cheap rate and they won't use my work afterwards. So we have a lot of those conversations as well. And it's been, I don't know, it's been like, it's having a big, a, a big little sister in business. I think that's what it's been like, right, Judy? 
<laughs> and I think also like one thing I admire about Brown Girl Outdoor World as well as Color the Trails is all of this line of work. We're really trying to work together rather like we're very much like um, wanting to work together. Like uh, what's the what did I say? Collaboratively. Um, collaboration over competition because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who want to get into this work or want want to start something they feel like because like it's a unique idea um they kind of want to hoard that idea and think like nobody else can do that idea Mm -hmm. and it creates this weird thing where it's just like very separate it's not even about the community it's nothing about bringing the community together but together with Demisha it's just been like how do we work together to create opportunity for everybody like I think the way we work together and collaborate together um is very unique compared to what I see um in terms of what's out there like I don't see a lot of people wanting to collaborate or if they want to collaborate there's more about either because social media is so weird about the visibility that they're gonna get about their name all of a sudden being associated with color the trails or brown girl the world it's not really coming in a place of like let's come together and build a community. So I think that's the one thing has been really kind of think unique and special about this partnership and this um, relationship because we're going beyond how people expect us to work. We're like not fitting that norm. (laughs) I think it's also good too because we're not afraid to call each other on our BS. And I think that is super important because there are times when I'll fall into like get trapped into my in my head. And this is a lot of times in the space where you trap the the conversation is in your head and you end up going around in circles. And it again, just having someone with an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish is pretty helpful. So like, you know, for me, it's finding finding community, understand, first of all, understanding what the community is that you want to serve. Figure out who is, is, you know, aligned with your vision of what that community looks like, who wants to invest time, who wants to invest money into making that work. Because honestly, it is never about just time. It's always about time and money because without money, it doesn't operate, right? Um, I know a lot of people go into these things, into these like partnerships and all they want to do is, oh, send me all the free stuff. I'll take your t-shirt. Been there, done it. Take your t-shirt but still there's nothing. So I think there's navigating that as well. And I mean, if the free stuff is what you're going for, then kudos to you. But then at the end of the day, don't be saying you're doing stuff for community when it's a me situation, because that becomes a big problem at the end of the day, when a lot of organizations come back and we say we're working for community, they're like, oh, but we'll send you this free thing. I can't do anything with that for my community. Help me help the large scale community that we're trying to, to, to work with. I have a question for both of you. I'm definitely breaking the mold with the format for this one. Um, but I'm super curious as somebody who leads a community. And to be honest, uh, you know, we're a majority white woman entrepreneur community. Um, and a lot of our ladies, one of the, the requirements to be part of Dovetail is that you have some uh, purpose built into either your business or your work outside of your business. So a lot of our ladies have 
organizations that they lead, whether they're charitable or not charitable, uh, whatever it might be to the side, whether it's like school programs, leadership programs, that kind of thing. And they see the work that you guys are doing, that you're both doing, and they want to support it, but they don't want to seem like they're kind of piggybacking or tagging on or using you for something. But obviously there are other organizations out there that would love to support what you're doing. What do both of you say to people like that who are, who are watching you, who are like, hey, this could be a great thing for us to partner or for us to support? What's the best way to do that? Is it best to just make donation? Is it that you're running for profit, so maybe donation is not the way? What do you, what do people, like, how do we best support? How do you get the best support from other uh, organizations and profit, nonprofits and for-profits? For me, it's either you help sponsor an event, Broke Out of the Trails, or you get into, um, and get into a relationship with Color of the Trails. And it doesn't have to be anything transactional yet, just get to know us, get to know that way I get to know you for for me personally, it takes me a long time to agree to do an event with anybody just because I want to first want to know what is your intention? Are you coming because you want to all of a sudden just like want to be associated with color of the trails or what are your skill set? Like, what do you have to offer us that we may not have? And like, how are you able to kind of get us and how sustainable is it? Like, I don't want to do one-off project, to be honest. Like, I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, if you want to do every year, we do X, Y, Z. That's amazing. You know, let's continue to do it that way because we're not going to see the result after one after one event. We're going to see the result after multiple events. We're going to see the result after two or three years down the road where we're seeing the impact, you know. Like, for example, with the mountain biking program, we've seen the impact, Um where now people are getting, you know, where people who started out as mentee are all biking amazing, um, where they're all getting access to their own bike or if they're getting um, access to being able to become mountain biking coach. There's all that thing, but that's been a progression. That for me is sustainable. It's also for like, when I think about it, like there are these networks that we've never had access to because we've never had the relationships. So oftentimes, um, again, like you said, Alexis, as, as white women with, with, with the, the, the privilege of access, and I will, I will use that term, privilege of access, help us to get into some of these spaces, mention our names in rooms, mention our names in spaces that you have access to that we would have never been invited to that table. You know, if you see value in it, if you see relationship, and if you see a space that can use our um, use our our knowledge and talent in terms of when it comes to your space turning into a safe space for for racialized people, we do offer consulting. Both Judy and I offer consulting services. Whenever for me, I know whenever I get paid, anything I get paid goes right into BGOW. Nothing goes into my pocket. So whenever I do events, whenever I do speaking engagements everything there goes back into BGOW to support the work that we do. And I think in a certain sense, it's because Canada's like um, corporate corporation setups are so strange. I think Judy and I both operate more like um, B Corps versus being, you know, just a straight up corporation because most of our, our, our work is community impact and whatever income we generate pretty much goes back into building out programming for communities. So again, hire us as consultants when it comes to you know, doing that, the anti-racist training, hire us as consultant when it comes to, you know, how can you as a business better communicate with BIPOC, uh, Black, Indigenous, and anti-racist POC communities? You know, drop our names when you're sitting at that table with your CEO and you know it's coming to the end of the year and he has all that money in in his charity pot to give away. 
you can go beyond just doing a grant. There are ways, there's so many ways to work around that when it comes to working with organizations like ours, again, because they're so community focused, there is still so much room to dip into that piggy bank and help us again, generate the idea of community and make that idea of community stick where it doesn't just become, you know, community doesn't just mean the BIPOC community. There's a space for community in this conversation that is not BIPOC and that is and I hate using the word allies because there's it's, there's it's just this 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 self-appointed allyship that's going around. It's become a community builder with us. Help us to put your energy into helping us to generate and build these communities and make them sustainable. I think that's well said. Yeah, well said. Such an important question for our listeners to ask themselves. Whatever community you're part of, I think it's where might you have privilege of access. I think that's huge because people don't think about that as often as they could and we take for granted often. I think many people, depending on where you are and, and uh, where you're from, just take for granted the access that uh, we might have to different arenas. So thank you for that. And I think, we're, we think, we're, I think there's still like so much room. And again, like I said, when I think about community, when on BGOW, when I say community, it's not just the racialized community that I'm serving. It's everyone who comes into BGOW and sees what our vision looks like, who sees the importance in the work that we're doing and wants to reach in from the outside to help. Don't, you're not coming in to navigate this conversation. You're coming in, to, sorry, you're not coming in to direct the conversation. You'll be able to come in and help us navigate the spaces, right? And I think for anyone who's looking to, you know, build a community, build a community of leaders, build a community of, of of outdoor adventurous, building a community of people who just want to get out and explore life and exploring life on your terms. It's don't shut yourself off to the idea of, you know, working with others who might not look just like you. There's so much great potential out there for, for collaborative work. There's so much great potential for, you know, just being open to open to things that serve your purpose through honesty. And through making sure that, again, even if you're navigating that space as, as an outsider, make sure that this is a safe space for the people that you're, you're introducing people to. Make sure it's a safe space that, you know, someone's not going to come in. And again, it's happened before where someone has come in and totally disrespected the BGOW community as an outsider. Make sure when they come in, they understand that this conversation is not entirely about you. It's about how you're coming in here and coming in with respect and coming with an understanding that you're being invited in here to create a different impact. Not, this space is not about you. Yeah. I feel like we've spent a lot of time talking about all of the things that you've worked through to get to where you are with both organizations, a lot about the challenges. And I think it's so important for people to hear that side of it. But I know that both of you, and especially you, Demisha, have talked about the joy in what you do. And that's why you do it. You wouldn't do this if there was no joy in it, if it was mm -hmm. all struggle. So I would love to hear from both of you, what is your greatest joy in the work that you do every day? And the reason that you put so much heart and so much energy and so much love and, and giving and just everything that you pour into both these organizations, what's the greatest joy in it for you? And if you I want to share a story of a recent time, I'm totally open to storytelling or, or however you want to share, what is the joy? Um, I think for me, the joy is um, the community and the connection that comes from all of our events. Um, yeah, just for me, it's just been really wonderful and beautiful to see, um, for example, with mountain biking, because I think that's our most successful program for Color of the Trails, like seeing people terrified last year 
um, just to be on a mountain bike. And then this year, just see how much they progressed. And then when we did our intro to mountain biking early June, um, the first week of June, um, having a previous mentee now teaching our new um, mentees or people who came into our program for the first time, um, who tried mountain biking for the first time, having a previous mentee kind of being able to kind of teach and show that leadership, um, the diversity of leadership, which is really amazing. Um, and for me, that that's what brings me joy. It brings me joy when I read messages after our events being like, wow, this is like, I didn't realize I was missing this kind of community bond or, you know, I was having a panic attack before I came to your event because I deal with social anxiety. But as soon as I came, everybody was amazing. I had such a fantastic time. And, you know, the group is really helping me push beyond my comfort level. Um, and, and I'm meeting really cool people who are not becoming my best friends. So for me, that's where the joy comes in. The joy is just being in community with each other and elevating and supporting each other. So that's for me, that's what the joy is. <laughs> I think you could have left me two words, Judy. <laughs> And I think I think I navigated from that same space is just seeing the seeing the growth and the again the joy from the community when you go out and we have these experiences and I'll pull on on one of the examples from um, and as someone who fishes I'll use this as my example over and over again it's based on a contest I had last year to get someone out um, into um, I spend a day with me fishing out in Algonquin Park and this person has never been to Algonquin before and they've never fished and for me it was a day spent fishing teaching them you know the simple basics of why they needed to get out and go fishing and then to seeing that person from October to now her taking her daughter out to fish and sending me the pictures of them fishing and catching fish and then follow-up messages like you know hey, I'm taking my family fishing this week. Is there something, is there a specific pair of pliers that I need to purchase? So the, the joy for me comes in just seeing something that you've done and seeing it continue to grow and seeing that convert, that message being passed on. So each one teaching one from the teachings that you've given them has been one of the greatest joys that I've, I've, I've experienced. And just seeing, you know, when, when, an, when an event is over, the joy, the conversations that happens in the parking lot, the way people communicate after the, the cross-pollination with other organizations that people who come out to my events end up, you know, going out with others from the community. It's just, that is the joy. That is when, it, when I say building community and, you know, reaching beyond just your personal circle to have, you know, to ensure that joy can spread from one group to the next. That's, that's been my, one of my biggest accomplishments, I'd say. I love it. I know that we are running down on time before we go today. Um, do either of you have anything else that is on your head or in your heart that you would want to share with our listeners, whether they are folks who are looking to build a community um, indoors, outdoors, whatever it may be, or just uh, other entrepreneurs who are building businesses, anything that you would want them to know from your head or from your heart? Yeah, I think I would just say like, if you're going to enter this space, just like enter with the passion and the love and recognize that it's not easy and like you're not gonna always get things the way you want it to be um you want it to be but rather just yeah just make sure that your intention is on building community rather than um the glory or the self um the pat on the back kind of thing where it's really about you kind of trying to prove something to people or you having your name out on social media or on media or whatever, just make sure that your intention 
is good because I didn't start Color the Trails because I thought like I'll be where it is, to be honest. Like I did not think Color the Trails would be here. I, I started it simply because I saw the lack of representation in the outdoors and the lack of how um, accessibility was not there where all these brands are promising X, Y, Z, we're going to be more diverse, but behind the scene, they're not doing anything to help and support um, the community. Just make sure that your intention is good. If you're creating for the community, make sure that community comes first, but also make sure that you're not exploiting your own community and you're not exploiting your own people but rather you're elevating and supporting and creating opportunity, not just for yourself, but for others as well. And for me, and like I, I was going to say, pretty much the same is that ensure that your idea of community is genuine. Ensure that you, before you start saying you're creating community, understand whether or not you want to be in this to be a social media, inf individual social media influencer, or you want to be a community, community builder, because those are two entirely different relationships and two entirely different places of operating. Um, because one, you know, some people, and again, if this is your niche and this is the way you operate and this is your presence, then that is fine. If you wanna go in for the merch, go in for the merch. Don't go in for the merch with community, using community as a backdrop, right? There's a total difference and it is it it does have the potential to backfire on you as a, as a, as a builder, if you're going in and saying you're using it for community when it's, it's an individualistic thing. Um, ensure that you're doing it genuinely. Ensure that you're going in and you want to actually see growth. You want to see change. Make sure that there's an end goal to what you're doing and not just the continuous um, story of I got, I got, I got, but make sure there's a lot of I did, I did, I did included in that conversation. And trust me, there's a lot more benefit and a lot more, more truth than you just speaking up if that's what you want to do at the beginning rather than saying you're for community when you don't have an understanding or an idea of what community looks like. I love that. I feel like I could put that on the wall <laughs> from both <laughs> of you. Thank you so much. Uh, I know that you two talk all the time and that there's, I mean, we could probably write a novel from what you have shared today alone, but also what you regularly share. And I love seeing women like you doing what you're doing in the world. The two of you, just the fact that you collaborate so well and you could easily be competitive, like competitors with each other. I think that there's no doubt that you could see each other as a threat in some way, but uh, I believe in the power of generosity and of collaboration and of genuine community building. And I'm so excited for both of you. And I can't wait to, you know, hopefully someday come out and see you in action. Demisha, I got to see Ed Camp this year and I just yeah. fell in love with her community. And uh, Judy, when I'm out in VC, I'd love to, to spend some time with you too. So thank you so much for being here today. And uh, I will happily be sharing all of the links to all of the things. So if you're listening to this, check out the show notes. We've got links there if you wanna check them out. Uh, both Demisha and Judy are very active on the Instagram, the Instagram, the my 90s, <laughs> and, uh, and everywhere else uh, on social and websites and everything else. And uh, check out their events because they're phenomenal and uh, so stoked for you both. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks, Alexis, for having us on. This conversation was a lot of fun, and I wish that I'd left the recording on because Demisha and I talked for almost an hour after the episode. I loved learning from both Judy and Demisha and the raw honesty and humility that they both share with. I learned so much. Today, I invite you to think about this. Who have you been seeing as a competitor in your industry? 
How could you make them a collaborator instead? Judy and Demisha are an incredible example of this. Where in your business would you and your team benefit from setting aside your pride and serving your community and our customers with what they really need most? Where do you have the privilege of access? Supporting equal opportunities doesn't always mean signing a check. Think about where you might have access, networks, connections, and places that aren't equally accessible to everyone. What can you do to change that? Who can you talk to to instigate change and open doors to everyone in your community? Lastly, where is the joy in your work? How can you reconnect to the passion and the love that you have for your business, service, products, team, clients, and community? Thank you so much for being here today. I can't wait for you to meet the rest of the incredible entrepreneurs who are joining me this season. I'll be releasing new episodes every Wednesday, so be sure to follow the podcast on whichever app you use so you don't miss out on insights, inspiration, and big ideas. Do you know someone who could really use these nuggets of knowledge? Take a quick screenshot, post it on social, and tag a friend or two, or just text it straight to them. That's why I created this podcast, to share this expertise and peer-to-peer support with you and all the entrepreneurs who need it. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful for a quick five-star rating and review on whichever app you're listening on. It'll go a long way to helping us serve and support even more entrepreneurs. Thanks for joining me. I can't wait to connect with you again next week.